What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Monday episode of the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi is not made for those who play the game, it's made for people like us who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Kyle, Chris, happy Monday to you. Victory Monday! Victory Monday. For all of us. For all of us. Yes, (laughs) a nice Victory Monday here for us all today. Oh, for the AFC East gang. For those who are non-initiative... Initiated. Joe is Bill's Mafia. Uh, Kyle is Finn's fan. And Chris Schubert is Gang Green. It's been a while since you've had a Victory Monday, Chris. Yeah, I don't know what this feels like. Don't know what to do with my hands. Uh, Popping champagne over there or what? I have a feeling you don't know what to do about a lot of things right now. Uh, Life is just, uh, I don't know, it's a construct. So, obviously, we are teasing this because the big ramifications of the New York Jets' 23-20 to victory over the NFC West playoff division championship hopeful Los Angeles Rams, who got got by perhaps the greatest trap game of all time, uh, focusing a little too much perhaps on that showdown in Week 16 against the Seahawks, uh, is the New York Jets no longer have the number one pick in the NFL draft. And that, which naturally we, we've said we destined this was going to happen because three weeks ago on the show, we said the top three was going to remain chalk and nobody was going to win a football <laughs> game because they were so bad. <laughs> well, Cincinnati won again since then, I believe. No, it wasn't Cincinnati. Who was it? It was Dallas. It was Dallas. And Dallas wow. has won like twice. Right. We're like, man, I don't know how these teams win games. Well, now the Jets have won too. So any given Sunday, any given Sunday, and it happened to the New York Jets, and it has dramatically changed the future of two franchises, the career of one of the brightest young stars in college football, and somewhere Mike Greenberg is crying in a corner. I uh, Coincidentally, I did my – scouting report yesterday on track uh oh Trevor you Lawrence. did yeah you did. i did mine on justin fields over the weekend wow so. Kyle, hey. what, what good timing this is for this moment uh so after <laughs> doing my formal film assessment of trevor lawrence this is bad man um he's special he's really 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 special and no prospect is bulletproof and you know there's a chance he might not reach his ceiling but Lawrence gives you everything. I I mean, everything that you're looking for in a franchise quarterback for today's NFL, he's it. And I, I think highly of fields, but Lawrence is the type of player that on almost any draft, he's going to be the number one overall pick. And that was what was at stake with this game. When Marcus may broke up that pass on fourth down, that was what was at stake. That was what was at stake when they got that first down to steal the game. And none of those players care about that. None of those coaches care about that. They're trying to win. 
but for the franchise and its long-term ability to turn the corner here and win, not getting Trevor Lawrence really hurts that ability. I mean, right there and in, in just right in your hands and he's gone. And again, you have to, you have to recognize and, and identify that those players and coaches don't care about that. But as analysts and knowing what could have been, that's what stings. That's the ultimate divide, right? Because you've got, you know, we were talking in the pre-show. I, to, I told Chris, you know, 50 plus percent of the Jets roster will not be here next year. Joe Douglas is going to rip it to shreds. And rightfully so, because the roster stinks. The roster was going to stink uh, before you had C.J. Mosley opt out. And the roster was going to stink before, you know, you had the problems that you had with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, the roster was not good. Uh, they had a nice draft this year. Yeah. They have no depth. They have no talent, no game-breaking talent. Your most experienced players are twenty, an older 20-something-year-old running back and a middle linebacker. Now, I don't want to sell Quinn and Williams too short. He had a great season this year, and I know you've seen that firsthand, Joe, and I saw that firsthand. He wrecked the Dolphins both times the Jets played him. Yeah, but, but in the grand scheme of things, this Jets roster is several years away, and the players who are on the field to make that happen you might see five of them on the roster two years from now. You might. So you're right. They don't care. Adam Gase doesn't care. But Joe Douglas in the front office and the people in the ownership and the people who are, you know, have an opportunity to build a bridge beyond the here and now. I'd imagine it's a really, really gloomy day coming in the office on Monday, the virtual office on Monday morning, right? Because we're all virtual now. So the Jets went to LA and beat the Rams. Yeah. The Jaguars host man, the Bears and, and, and then they go to the Colts. No, it ain't happening. What? <laughs> did you what? did you see any did you see any of the game against Baltimore yesterday? Yeah, dude. Like, oh my I, God, dude. I hear you. I hear you. I think it would be less Tell likely. Me. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna try to like get on this this table and pump up the Jaguars. But I thought if you would have said one of these three three things will happen, if you told me yesterday, Saturday, that one of these three things are gonna happen, the Jets are gonna go win against the Rams in L.A., the Jaguars are gonna beat the Bears or the Jaguars are going to beat the Colts. The the thing I would say would be least likely to happen would be the Jets going into L.A. and winning that game. And he gave it Sunday. So, so as much as I don't think Jacksonville is going to screw this up, I don't think we can dismiss the possibility. No, there's two games left to be played. 74% chance, that's what they say. 74% chance the number one pick is what the Jaguars have. They've clinched the tiebreaker, so if they have the same record, right. it's clinched. That's what I was just getting ready to say, is there's no way strength of schedule swings back in the Jets' no. favor. Impossible. If they have the same record, it's done. Correct. So the Jaguars have to win a game. So Kyle, you did the field scouting report. Yeah. What are, what I mean, is he the number two pick for sure? What did you see? Tell us, tell us what you learned. I can tell you he's not the highest graded player I've graded thus far. And I only do the Big Ten and Notre Dame and some other regional stuff for non-power five schools. Uh, so there, I think there are some, some warts in his game that do need to be acknowledged. 
the processing speed is something that I was hopeful and optimistic would get better this year. Uh, and it hasn't. Uh, he was lights out over the weekend. I, I watched uh, every pass attempt on Saturday. This is what happens when you have a new baby, right? You just sit <laughs> on the couch and you got the TV and, yeah. and you, can, you can watch all you want, but you can't do anything with your hands really, right? So I watched every pass attempt of Justin Fields in 2020 and I had watched four or five games of his in 2019, uh, including like Big Ten Championship game against Wisconsin and the Michigan game last year and the Clemson game last year. And then you get the gauntlet of, of him against Nebraska and Rutgers and Penn State, and Michigan State. And obviously the Big Ten Championship game was on Saturday and against Northwestern. And, and the last two games that he's played have probably been his worst two games at Ohio State. Um Northwestern and Indiana or was Indiana before the Michigan state game? Either way, I digressed two of his last three games or his last two games were his two least impressive games as a passer. Um, but he has all the goods. He has everything you would possibly want. You have, you just have to acknowledge that there is a developmental curve here. And I know that's like some kiss of death for uh, the <laughs> microwave society that we live in, that if you're not amazing, and you're not throwing for 320 yards every game when you first come into league, that means you stink because I'm seeing that with Tua. And Joe, you saw that with Josh Allen and the developmental curve that these guys had. But do they have the intangibles? Do they have the accuracy? Do they have the tools? And Justin Fields has all those things. Um, I was working really hard to find a comp. And there's a little bit of Deshaun Watson in his game. There's a little bit of Carson Wentz in his game. There's a little bit of Dak Prescott in his game. Um, he's inevitably going to be one of those guys because he is so athletic and dynamic. He's going to like sacks or a quarterback stat. He's going to be one of those poster children, just like Deshaun Watson is. Uh, and just like Carson Wentz is because he's not going to, he's not going to want to punt on a lot of plays, but the arm talent is terrific. Uh, I think his best scheme fit is probably something of a West coast, spread hybrid system with a lot of RPO concepts and somebody who's willing to let the quarterback run the ball because there were games just like, you know, the Indiana game when he wasn't really humming as a passer, he killed him with his legs and he can do that at the NFL level too. This episode is brought to you by 1010. Now you may have read about this in the New York times or Forbes, and we're all excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one of a kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. So... Oh, man, there's so much to get into here. All right. You say that Justin Fields has processing concerns with – was it, he, just, it? He, he likes that first read. 
Okay. He likes that first streak. What you said there is not unlike what I thought about Justin Herbert. Sure. Okay. I'm glad we can't came to common grounds there because my entire next talking point oh was predicated on you That's agreeing good. with that statement. Okay. 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 And, and and here's the thing. You and I both like Justin Herbert. You liked him more than me. I still had a one on him. Okay. And I know a lot of people didn't like Herbert. Mm-hmm. Justin Herbert's been sensational in the NFL this year. Correct. Right? Correct. What were, what were his worst three games of the year? I don't expect you to answer this off the top of your head, but what were the worst three? Uh, I feel it's, like uh, it's, uh, this is objective too. His worst three games were absolutely objective in my mind. Was one of them Cal? I'm talking about in the NFL. Justin Herbert oh. in the NFL this year. Oh, Miami was one. Yep. Patriots was another. Yep. I can't tell you off the top of the head. Buffalo. The one was. Buffalo. Okay. What uh, what what division do those teams play? In? AFC East. What what teams Justin Fields going to? New York Jets. Yeah, you, I, I mean, look, those that's not <laughs> that's not the type of wart. I'm serious. You you know yeah. that's not a wart you want going up against a Flores McDermott or Belichick defense. Yeah. You got I, you need Trevor Lawrence. They needed Trevor Lawrence. That was what they needed. Yeah, he covers up so much because I think he's. I I made the point to say what kind of system I thought Fields would fit best into because I think it is much more relevant for his player projection mm-hmm. than what Trevor Lawrence's is. You could tell me Trevor Lawrence is going to Earhart Perkins, he's going to West Coast. I don't give a shit. Like he he's gonna be really good no matter what you ask him to run. Justin Fields, I think, is one of these quarterbacks who, and we always talk about landing spots and environments and and you know protecting a rookie quarterback and and you know kind of nurturing and developing him. Justin Fields is not a transcendent product product. And that's kind of where I think he's can be, I think he has the physical talent to be a top eight quarterback in the NFL. But where he goes matters. And if he goes to the wrong spot, it would not end well. And you could say that about the, almost every player. You could effectively and essentially say that about every player in the NFL draft process. But like the investment, per, the the cost benefit of investing in a quarterback just for you know in the name of drafting a quarterback, and it not you not being suited to surround him with what he needs, um, can be very fatal and set a franchise back five, ten years. How do you feel, Chris? I mean, you just heard Kyle and I talk for 10 minutes or whatever uh, on this, our preliminary thoughts. I mean, how do you feel? I, I said this last night, so this will be the second time that I've I've made this exact statement when it comes to the Jets. I'm not mad at the players or the coaches or anybody who went out there and tried to win yesterday. That's their job. That's how they keep their livelihoods in the National Football League. That's what they're designed to do. I'm upset at the organization of the New York Jets that have put me in a position to where I feel yesterday a win – absolutely has devastated this franchise. I'm upset that the organization has gotten us to that point where winning football games, which is ultimately what we all want our teams to do, felt like something that could set this team back years. That's where I'm frustrated. That the only hope that this organization could have isn't from something that they could do, but this idea that a lottery ticket at the top of the draft is the only thing that can give us a future. That's where my frustration is. 
Listen, Tre- Trevor Lawrence is great. I would have loved Trevor Lawrence to be a Jet. He wasn't going to fix all of their problems. He could have fixed a lot of them in an important position. They're still poorly coached. They're still poorly run. As Kyle mentioned, 50% of the roster probably isn't going to be back next year. There's a lot of other stuff that they needed to figure out. I think what frustrates me is the one thing Jets fans could all agree on is even though we all don't trust the Jets, they wouldn't screw it up if they got number one. They would take Trevor Lawrence, and they probably wouldn't be able to screw up Trevor Lawrence because of how good everybody thinks he is. Now, I have to trust Joe Douglas to be able to make a pick at number two. And yes, he had a good draft last year, but there's a difference between having a good draft and having to make franchise-altering decisions at quarterback, at coach, at major positions on the roster. So I'm in a wait-and-see mode. I'm not going to scream and yell and destroy a table. I'm not going to do any of that. Yes, Kyle. Just ask Bill Poley. He, he said there's a difference between making franchise-altering decisions. Bill Polian had the most cush stretch of critical decision-making because he got to draft Jim Kelly, Bruce Smith, and Peyton Manning as top picks. And the rest of his Indianapolis tenure was, was not great, but it did that just resonated with me? Cause I always like to get those shots in it, bill. So, so, no, so I, the, well, look, the jets have options now, right? And options are supposedly good. And, and so I think that's, what's interesting to look at now. What are these options? They can pick Justin Fields. They can pick Zach Wilson on a BYU. They can trade, trade out back. of the pick. They can pick a different player. They could keep Sam Darnold. I mean, like, is it was so easy at one. It was so easy. You pay Trevor Lawrence. Not so easy now because we, I mean, well, maybe that's not fair to say. I think there's still a pulse in Sam Darnold. But Chris, you feel very strongly that, that Sam is done in New York. I, I And I want to make this particularly clear. I like Sam a lot. You guys know the year he was drafted, we were all together. I loved that they took Sam. I was over the moon that Sam Darnold was going to be my quarterback. I have not given up on Sam the person. What I have given up on is this idea that the New York Jets franchise is going to be able to maximize Sam Darnold's talent. And if that is the case, the best thing for Sam and the best thing for the franchise is for everybody to move on and for the Jets to get something out of that deal. Whether it's a two, whether they can, if they have enough teams coming to the table, they can convince somebody to give them a one, whatever the case may be. That is the right course forward because I don't think asking Sam Darnold to be coached by a new coach with a new system is it doesn't like I said before, it doesn't set the franchise back a couple of years while he continues to develop. I just think it's best to move on at this point. And listen, I'm not going to be surprised if him goes to San Francisco or goes to Indy or goes to New England or wherever he might go and be fantastic. Right. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. Joe, do you feel strongly that the Jets need to make this pick at two? Um, I think if they I, believe, I don't. I don't. If they believe in Justin Fields, they need to pick him and not think twice about it. I mean, really, I, if you think that Justin Fields is going to be an answer at quarterback, then I think you sit there and pick him. And you try to maximize your return for Sam Darnold. I think you get the right coach in here. You, you have – a lot of draft picks. You have a lot of uh, salary cap space. You know, I, I mean, I think you, you you should do that. But if you if you go through your process and you say, you know, we don't we don't like this fit, 
and do something else. Joe, relate this to what happened the first year of the new regime in Buffalo. What did they do? They tanked to the playoffs. No, 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 no. What did they do? What was their draft? Oh, yeah, they traded back. So they they went – no, that was going into the season. So before the 2017 season, yeah, they traded back from 10 to 27 and got an extra first-round pick the next year. And what did what was their justification for not drafting a quarterback? They weren't ready. They weren't okay. Ready. The Jets are not ready to draft a quarterback with how bad this roster is. Okay, so here's my issue with that: is we were fine with it when they had the first pick and it was Trevor Lawrence, right? Because it's Trevor Lawrence. All right. Well, we were always concerned about that, though, in the back of our minds. I think you know Justin Fields, having talked about his environment being important to his pro projection. I don't think they need, they should be in no rush. And I would be perfectly fine with them doing like what the Dolphins did when they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick or what Carolina did when they signed Teddy Bridgewater and build a bridge and just get, get talent on this team. Because that's, that's my big sticking points with the Jets right now is it's like, man, like you look at this roster and it's like, you, you let guys like Robbie Anderson walk for nothing. Like there's there's just not a lot of appeal anywhere on the offensive line unless they were guys that were in Joe Douglas's draft class. I think that's going to be a net positive for this team once Gase is gone, is because those things won't happen. Right. Which is disappointing that they continue to happen with Joe Douglas as the GM. But those stupid riffs that cause you to lose good players. Yeah. It's just like when and this is the weirdest parallel in the world, but it's just like whenever Jalen Hurts came in for Carson Wentz, I said the fact that Jalen Hurts just isn't Carson Wentz is a net positive for the Eagles. It's going to be the same thing with Gase. Just the fact that somebody not named Adam Gase is the head coach of the Jets, it's going to be a net positive to the team before you've even played a game because you know what you feel like those player relations should be way better. Well, it, and I don't know. I don't know if it's because of like Madden or like I, I feel like the human component of the game of football is so overlooked, right? You know, in, in like chemistry and relationships and, and like all that matters. And it's people turn their nose up at team culture and think it's some like cheesy, you know, cliche, but like it, it's legit to a certain degree. It, it absolutely positively matters. And I cannot think of a more toxic culture than one run by Adam Gase because I've seen it firsthand. How do you, th- this is a weird pivot, but how do you think that, plays into the New England Patriots this offseason where they've got a ton of of cap space, right? But they've been a winner for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. I think that so much of that is because of Tom Brady. He's not there. The appeal to go to New England in the past is that you go get to play with Brady and you go have a chance to go win a Super Bowl. We've seen that even happen in Tampa Bay to an extent. Now you just have New England with Belichick in the Patriot way. What is the appeal to go there? Well, especially because Bill's at the end of his road, too. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to sign a four or five-year contract, and Bill might retire after the first year of it, and I'm going to be here for what? And play for Josh McDaniels? And we've seen how loyal Josh McDaniels is to opportunities. I think they're going to have to overpay to get the players they think they're going to get. Now, the the fact that the salary cap environment could be what it is, and there's just not going to be as much dollars right. out there they'll, for they'll players players from that regard so sure. overpaying this year may not be equivalent to what overpays have looked like in the past 
But here's the thing. Will New England do that? They, they've been very careful about those types of things. Are they going to overpay? That's not the Patriot way. Well, is it the Patriot way or the Belichick way? That's a great question. Well, it, no, it, those are those are synonymous at this point. We don't know that we don't know what this team looks like without Belichick running it. Right. So, I mean that that's kind of the ultimate trump card is if Belichick's like, yeah, man, I got I I'm doing this for two three years. I don't really give a shit about the long term. Yeah, spend the money. Go ahead, Bob. <laughs> Bring him in. Back up the Brinks trucks. You know, but I think that's a great point. And and they are such a blank slate team. Yeah. That, you know, how quickly can you get it to a point where it's a contender? If it's a contender, you know, they're six and eight with two to play. They got to play Buffalo this week. And Buffalo's got playoff seating on the line. Like Buffalo should want to win that game. And I can tell you right now, Joe, run the ball. Just, <laughs> just run the ball. Jeez. If, if Miami can run for 250. Yeah. With just, three rookie offensive linemen and Salvin Ahmed. So <laughs> it was it's approximately 50% of the Dolphins' offensive snaps are being taken by rookies right now. That's crazy. 50%. Rookie starting quarterback, rookie starting running back, three rookies starting in the offensive line. One of your starting wide receivers was a rookie. Just and, and they they ran for six yards per carry on 42 carries and ran. They they broke out the reverse Uno card, was what I said on uh locked on dolphins because the, the Patriots ran for 217 on them in week one. Dolphins just took that game plan, pulled out the reverse Uno card and said, Yeah, here you go. Good luck. And man, they and and that's this is the type of team with the the pedigree that they have, New England, where you start asking yourselves, are they just gonna fold? Are they are are they going to mentally close up shop? We just got eliminated from the playoffs. Right. The Bills clinched the division. The Dolphins just, you know, stuck our faces in in the toilet and gave us a swirly. There's two games left to play. What the hell are we doing? This season sucks. Let's just get it over with. Like that. That's something <laughs> that like I'm fascinated to see if the Patriots do that or if the Patriots bounce back and show some backbone over the final two weeks. Yeah, like what's that rallying cry for Belichick this week? Help you know? get him closer to the all-time wins record. Right, really? What, what, what does he say in the locker room? Uh, yeah, uh, well, you know, uh, we should probably get some better run fits and tackle better. Got to coach better. Uh, gotta yeah, coach. we got to be better. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. It's it's prime time game. It's Monday Night Football. Oh Christ. <laughs> okay. What else, guys? I feel nothing inside. So whatever you guys want to talk about, I'm, oh, I'm good with Chris. Do you just want to go like you can let no, you, go. I mean, you want listen, to take a nap. I have a tab open just so you guys know where I'm at. I have a tab open here on my Google Chrome. That is Zach Wilson versus Houston. So that's where I'm okay. at. Okay. Okay. You, you'll like him. He's fun. I don't know how he's going to grade out for me when I really dig into like his full on process, but he's a very, very fun football player. There's some, there's some moment. There's a lot of momentum out there right now for Wilson as QB two. Yeah. I'm just I'm just all on board the Jets trading back, getting more picks, and still getting yes. a quarterback. Welcome to the party, Chris. Yeah. Where Let's where do, do I it. sign for that? Can no, but that's the that's the Dolphins Chargers thing again. You know what I mean? No, no I, I still want them to take a quarterback. I just would like them to trade down a couple spots. 
Well, you, that's so backwards to me. That's so back. That's that's the Bills with EJ Manuel. We don't want him at eight, but we, we he's fine at sixteen, so we're gonna move back and get yeah. him. Yeah, Chris, my my stance is you should not be drafting a quarterback this year. Okay. You should be trading uh, back, getting maximum ammunition, getting as many picks as you can. Are you so you you are then pro? Just let Sam Darnold play out his rookie contract. Me. Yeah, so what is your plan at quarterback for the Jets in 2020? Probably. You know, I mean, I'm in no rush to move him unless I get something that's a viable chip. Yeah, if you're not, to me, if you're not going to draft the quarterback at two, then you just roll with Sam Darnold because that's as good as anything in seeing, you know, seeing what he looks like in their different coaches. Right. Because this is going to be a multi year process. So you might as well just let Sam play and see how he does in a contract year. Yeah. And then if you want to franchise tag him or whatever, if he ends up looking good. Because, like you said, it, it will be a net positive when you have competent coaches in the building. Now, it's on the Jets to hire competent coaches, but that's another story for another day. Sam Darnold's 23. Yeah. Turns 24 next June. Capistrano Beach, California. Are we ready for some football? College football heads into bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. NFL regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming more clear. There is only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. That is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. I'm looking at the calendar ahead and I see these Saturday football games. Tampa Bay and Detroit. You got the 49ers and Cardinals, Dolphins and Raiders. That's a big one for the playoff race. And betonline.ag has the best lines in the business. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Can I real quick go completely off the reservation and talk about something we have not talked about at all today? Uh, motion to accept. Chris? Uh, motion granted. Okay. <laughs> have you guys seen this screenshot going around of all these blown leads the Falcons have had? Oh, gosh. Yep. It's something. Joe, have you seen it? I don't think I have. Okay. So it's it's Super Bowl, 28-3 to over New England, 238 yeah. left, right? Uh, one against the San Diego Chargers, which was 30 to 20 with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's just a screenshot of all like the, the scoreboard things on the broadcast. Yeah. Uh, 17 to nothing over the Dolphins with 1250 left in the third quarter. 39 to 24 with 457 left in the fourth quarter against the Cowboys. That was from this year. 26 to 10. With 6:22 left in the fourth quarter, that was from this year, and now 24 to seven, with 4:35 left in the third quarter, and this was yesterday against Tom Brady and the Falcons and the, and the Buccaneers. Are you saying the Falcons struggled to close out games? This is like, <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's it's just like the screenshot of all of them. Uh, hoarded in one spot, and it just gives you such an appreciation of like, how do you do this? Do you feel like that's the the motivation though to maybe not roll with Raheem Morris and just say, hey, we want everybody that's been affiliated with us not being able to close out games out of here? Sure, I definitely think so. 
Me too. I couldn't believe that Tampa won that game. I'm like, wow, they're really not going to do this. And and then they, they did. Um, Something for us to talk about later this week, uh, the, the Carson Wentz situation and, and apparently reports that he, that he wants out of Philadelphia if he's not going to be named the starter, to which I say, good luck, man. Yeah, I, Philly has all the leverage there, right? I mean, Correct. Like, Carson has no leverage at all. Other than the fact that he's, other than the fact that he's due a lot of money, but we've gone through the dynamics of that cap. Dude, just this is your fault. Play better. Carson Wentz is the most humble diva in the history. <laughs> yeah, we've learned that here recently, huh? Um, can I push back a little bit here? Sure, go ahead. I think Carson Wentz has more leverage than you're giving him credit for because I don't think the Eagles want a $34 million cap hit backup quarterback. But it helps when the quarterback you would have starting over him is on a second-round rookie contract. So they're paying thirty. Now they're what paying thirty-five, thirty-six million against the cap for their quarterback room. That's par for the course. I'd agree they would want to get that off the books. <laughs> right. You wish it was the other way around. But. You know, I'd be like, listen, Carson, we tried to placate as best as you could. We compromised our backup quarterback situation and get rid of Nick Foles because you felt insecure about having him on the team and how people in the fan base really loved him. And lo and behold, you got hurt again. And then we had Josh McCown playing in a playoff game for us because we couldn't have Nick around because you didn't want him. And then we drafted a viable backup to be somebody cheap, and you got insecure again. <laughs> Such as I don't know what to tell you. But you got to play, play better. Just play better. You have to play at a level that warrants you being on the field. It's a, it's not like a debate whether or not like Wentz has been bad this year and Hurts has been horrible. a net positive to the team. I mean, it's so obvious. Right. But, hey, you paid me, so make me the starter. I want to. I don't here. get that, man. You're like, all right, well. I don't get that at all. You guys can get four more episodes of Draft Dude this week by hitting subscribe. We got to figure out what we're doing for the end of the week with the holidays, but I think we're planning on having a full gauntlet. It's just a question of when they will come. Uh, so if that is not the case, I'll be the bad guy, and we'll find out later this week. So, <laughs> tonight will be takes on takes. Tonight will be takes on takes live YouTube, the Draft Network. Looking forward to it. So come on over, check us out. Seven thirty YouTube, the Draft Network. We hope to see you then. If you catch us on the podcast feed, hit subscribe. You can hear it tomorrow as well. Thanks as always for listening. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert. This is the Draft Dudes Podcast.